Welcome back to Headcase, everyone. I'm here today with two very special guests, George and Kelly Steer. Welcome to the podcast, ladies. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Anytime. So Georgia and Kelly are mental health advocates who met doing comedy in New York. And Georgia is a comedy writer who creates videos about mental health on TikTok and Instagram. And Kelly is a producer who has worked for networks such as NBC, CBS, and the History Channel. And they're here today to discuss their new award-winning mental health-focused comedy short, or dark comedy, I would almost call it, um, called Withdrawals which is premiering on June 15th. So tell us about this movie, guys, and how you guys came to create it. Sure. Um, so the movie is, yeah, like you said, a 12-minute um, short film, dark comedy, about um, two, like, four friends who quit their antidepressants together, which is um, something that you should never do, cold turkey, to anyone listening. Never do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, And it it comes, yeah, from like a a semi-autobiographical story um, in which that was something I did when I lived in New York um, in 2016. I was put on Lexapro and I hated how it made me feel, so I just stopped taking it. And luckily I was okay, but then over the next few years, like telling various friends in the comedy scene about it, I learned that several of my friends had done the exact same thing with the, with Lexapro, like the same dose and everything. And everybody had had such, such different withdrawal effects that to me, I just felt like this is a story that has to be told a, because it's like really interesting to me. Um, and B because just like antidepressants aren't talked that much about um, just in society and in the media and especially going off of them. You just never hear people talking about it. So I felt like, um, something I really wanted to get the dialogue going about. Yeah, I think, I mean, I watched it. I thought it was so great. And it really does show kind of this other side to, I mean, you see on commercials, everyone's promoting medicines and how they'll make you feel better and all that, but they don't actually show kind of the side effects and how it can numb you and make you not feel anything. Cause I know that's sort of what, made the characters want to go cold turkey due to mm-hmm. this traumatic event that they felt nothing from. So, mm-hmm. Right, yeah, yeah. Exactly. and I think... Yeah, and that's like that... Yeah, that emotional blunting is like the feeling that you get sometimes when taking medications, especially, you know, like, you know, when George and I have been doing our research on different withdrawals of, like, effects and all that other kind of stuff, um, we recognize that, you know, antidepressants just came into our society about 30 years ago. Um, so, you know, Georgia made the great point that that's not even a full person's lifetime. <laughs> you know, this is a very, yeah. very new thing. And there are so many variables to it um, that, I mean, we're just learning every day about. Yeah. And what's great is you really show the side effects from, I mean, each character is on something different and you can, you kind of, show not all but an overall look into the kind of symptoms someone would feel if they did go off cold turkey and yes it is like a cautionary tale because you should never do that but I too have done that which I shouldn't have done oh boy I have also done (laughs) that before so I I related to this film a lot in watching it I was like oh my gosh yes like these kind of little symptoms like the brain zaps and things like that like I've definitely experienced before so I 
feel like this is such an important film for people to watch. Thank you. That's amazing that, yeah, even that you've just done the same thing. It kind of just, yeah, resonates to the point that, like, so many more people have done this than, you know, no one just, like, casually brings this up much when they are talking to their friends or at work or anything. So it's so fascinating to hear that you've done the same thing. Yeah. I think it's funny also people don't realize, like, if you're feeling better on medications doesn't necessarily mean you don't need it anymore it's like means the medication can be working and Mm -hmm. if you and I found it interesting that the character who kind of initiated the the pact for them all to do this didn't really have a bad experience going off of her drugs so that I found was interesting like she seemed to be almost feeling better and Mm -hmm it sort of shows that it isn't one size fits all. It's not necessarily like, it's not recommended obviously, but it's not necessarily the worst thing for someone not to be on an antidepressant, even what maybe they thought they needed it and they don't anymore. So that was right. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that, that <laughs> go for it, Kelly. No, <laughs> I like it. We both said, yeah. And that, um, I, I want you to go first because I want you to discuss about the character because I'm more thinking about like the just the dichotomy of like um, physical health versus mental health and the stigma attached to that. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that that was the character that was kind of based on my experience because when I went off of it, I really did feel better and I stopped feeling like numb, like this emotionless zombie. Um, and felt more like myself within days, which I think is the exception. And I think that, I guess, drug was not the correct one for my brain chemistry, but obviously it helps a lot, like a lot, a lot of people. Um, So I think what we were trying to do with the film is to not say like meds are good, meds are bad, or really have any, um, you know, like specific opinion on them, but just to get the conversation going um, and I just want people to be mindful about like the decisions they make and like not do them blindly because the doctor said to, or did, said not to, um, and just to, yeah, to figure out what's right for them and not be, um, tricked by, by peer pressure or by ads or anything like that. Yeah. Right. And I found it interesting also that all of these, this group of best friends all were on medication, which is something that you don't I mean it could be super common and maybe friends don't even know that each other are on these medicines but if that's something that stuck out to me that they were all on these medicines and maybe they really needed it and maybe they didn't yeah mm-hmm. it's also yeah. like I think that goes to say about like the stigma attached to it you know like right. um I think in the comedy world you know a lot of us, like our event that we're holding um, for the release of this film is, you know, hanging out by a thread, coping through comedy, because, um, you know, a lot of comedians use uh, laughter and joy to treat their depression, you know. And so I think, you know, we're a little bit more open to discuss our lives or, or have conversations about antidepressants, because um, as comedians, we already face our own stigmas of, uh, you know, our crazy lives, I guess. But um yeah, I, I really think that it's the stigma that's attached to it, which is the reason that people don't talk about it as much. And um, I've been so thankful to be a part of this project with Georgia because, um, you know, we've had a lot of people and in interaction, like interactions with people about 
things that we didn't even know, like you had mentioned brain zap. And I don't even, yeah. I mean, we didn't really even know what that was, right, Georgia, until our, our audio guy on set was like, oh, I've had brain zaps. Yeah. Oh, I've had them too. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very Yeah, but strange. George and I and had honestly, no idea, you know. Yeah. Like, I, I honestly didn't read even about understand it, like, what they were until this film. <laughs> yeah, because it's, I mean, that's something that's so hard to show visually. But um, to begin with, like, when I was researching all of the different potential withdrawal effects, like, that's one that kept coming up, like, on, you know, Reddit and stuff, like, because all of this stuff is anecdotal and online. Um, and it is very hard to understand what that is until you kind of, like, feel it yourself, I think. Right, exactly. It's not something that you, you almost think like something's wrong with your brain or you're really sick or something <laughs> when you feel it. Cause it's, you're like, that's not a normal thing that just happened, but I yeah. definitely have felt that yeah. before. And I never put the connection together until I started until one, I saw this film and then I saw, I talked to a few other people who have had similar issues with that. Yeah, it's a scary one. Um, I also have friends who, like, feel that and then were just shocked when I mentioned, like, well, that's because you take meds and that's kind of something that can happen. And they're like, oh, wow, yeah, I never put the two together. And that also goes to, you know, just um, to reiterate that it's such an under-researched thing. And, like, doctors, when they give this stuff to us, don't have enough enough information or give us enough information about how exactly it will affect everyone because it, it does affect everyone differently as well. Yeah. I mean, the human brain is so complex I and mean, we barely know anything about it. So to give a drug that treats the chemicals in your brain, it's sort of like throwing up, throwing like dust to the wind. Like you don't really know where it's going to land. <laughs> exactly. It's just terrifying. So yeah. Drugs are, kind of drugs are inspired. Terrifying. Yeah. So, so what kind of inspired you to actually make the film? Like, was there a specific event in your life? I know you said you had gone and done this yourself, like gone cold turkey, but what kind of like set everything in motion to actually make a film? Um, well, just, um, in terms of my career, honestly, I was like, I want to write and direct a short film because that's something that I feel like is kind of missing from my portfolio because I you know came from a background of doing like sketch comedy and you know I love like that kind of short form stuff but I wanted a little more time to get to explore characters and have like a a storyline and stuff like that which in a sketch you don't really do it's just a comedic premise and then it gets crazier and then crazier and then crazier then it ends um so (laughs) I would have loved to write like a like I think withdrawals and like the the complexity of the subject um, really doesn't show as much as it could in the 12 minute film. So it would be awesome to like really develop those characters further if we did like a feature length version of it or something. But at the time, a short film was just the format that to me made the most sense for the story. Um, and right. then, yeah, l- luckily I met Kelly like a week before our first shoot day and she came in and <laughs> saved the day and helped produce this. Cause like, well, like my mental health was in such a bad state <laughs> in 2019. So, um, right. in terms of like pre-produ- pre-production, like things were kind of just falling apart and I was working full time on top of that and everything was just crazy, um, and bad. <laughs> and then we met just in time. 
Yeah, you really yeah. need that kind of team behind you to help you, especially if it's semi-autobiographical. You're, mm-hmm. You suffer with mental illness, and then you're making a film about mental illness, but making a film is very stressful. <laughs> yeah, it's very stressful. <laughs> yeah. It I mean, was, I would love was, to um, see this featured link. Sorry. <laughs> No, you're fine. Yeah, I think that that would be awesome to do, you know, a feature length or um, just any kind of thing that explores the complexity of this further or the characters. Um, You know, I think in a 12 minute short a lot, like a lot of time when like George and I were in the editing room, I think our first cut we had at like 15 minutes and we're like, there's no way we're going to cut out three minutes of this. Um, (laughs) And so I think you have to just do these like flash visions of these characters, which is why it's sort of done in like a vignette type of style. Um, yeah. Be, because Georgia really wanted to, um, and I know I'm speaking for you right now, Georgia, but this is what Georgia told me. <laughs> um, Georgia yeah, yeah, really yeah. wanted to present, um, you know, how personal this experience is for everybody. You know, I think the way that we all experience different things in our head, like, you know, for example, like, is it the drug or is this my brain, you know? And then on top of that, you have all these societal expectations pushed on top of it and stigmas and stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I think when we finally got together and, you know, a week before production, it was just kind of like the storytelling universe gods that decide for us always about, you know, the stories that we're going to tell and and how they're going to be told um, really came together. And I'm really very lucky to have been able to work with Georgia on this. Right. No, we're lucky to have you. (laughs) and you must I mean you're working with also comedians in the cast and I'm sure anyone who's signed up to work on this film has some sort of experience with mental illness so it must have been a very collaborative kind of environment for you guys yeah exactly and when I was you know hiring like you know the the, everyone on the crew I guess um, and the actors it wasn't like a deal breaker like that they've been on antidepressants you know but I think naturally because of the subject matter like the people that came to the surface who really wanted to walk on you know this like low budget like indie thing in New York right um were people who then like did want to share their stories and it did become like very collaborative um which I'm always open to people adding you know suggestions or um pitching jokes or whatever on set so it was, yeah, I really didn't expect people to open up as much as they did about their experiences with meds. Um, and it, it was just so heartwarming. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was That's really amazing. great. It was like a safe set. I mean, I, I know like, for us, it was really important to create a safe space because that's where you can nurture, you know, the collaborative nature of, of film and I mean, any type of storytelling, right. But this one specifically, we, we knew we had to be very careful about how we portrayed these characters because, you know, we're not therapists. We're not trying to give people licensed advice here. Um, we're simply trying to portray our experiences authentically. And, you know, everybody's a part of that. I mean, that's at the core of improvisation, you know, which is a lot of what George and I did in New York City before we met. Right. And what um, what made you, like, choose the characters like what what I mean they all have their own personalities and it's very distinct like what made you kind of develop those characters um that's a great question um 
like when I when I write, I try and imagine like specific actors in mind so that it isn't too autobiographical and I'm not picturing like myself and my close friends because, you know, then it becomes just very difficult to tell someone else's story. Um, so right. I think, like most of the actors were people I had in mind, like when I was writing it and they were just funny comedians that I knew through doing comedy in New York um, or just people I'd worked with before or people who I'd seen their videos and just thought that they would be perfect. So I think the like the, the characters like took on, they took on the characters, I guess, if that makes sense. And um, they really brought their own voices to it and they like became those people um, better than just like what was on the page, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely. I mean, they all really fit their characters really well Mm -hmm. yeah they're all like fantastic um actors Mm -hmm. and performers i think all of them are still based in new york so in making a film as it is a stressful thing to do what did you guys do for each other on set to keep your sanity and keep everyone you know feeling motivated and all of that i mean number one is always is always food, um, food right. and coffee <laughs> and, um, mutual respect, I think is my answer for that. I think, um, you know, it's really, it's a really stressful time. Um, like you said, like every time you turn around, something's going wrong or, you know, we forgot mm-hmm. something or we can't afford something. Um, but I think for us, it was, I think at least for me, it, it was nice because, um, ours open about mental health that there were a lot of honest conversations that were had about what can we accomplish? What can we get done? Um, you know, we really took the time to work through problems um, rather than I think on some sets that I've worked on, it's just like, well, we don't have time. Let's just deal with this now. And, you know, so I think just mutual respect, food and coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's always good. Yeah. And just the the eternal power of like female friendships, I think. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was it was great to meet Kelly like right at that time because I think you basically kept me and everyone else sane. Kelly just um, completely like threw herself into the production and anything I needed, she did, and we figured out like every problem we solved it together. So um, yeah, amazing compassionate person. But um, also for me, I have like like high functioning depression, high functioning anxiety, which isn't a diagnosis, but like a behavior. And so Mm -hmm. I was going through like maybe one of the worst mental health times of my life going through like a breakup and I was working at a job, like making videos about climate change and just, it was all bad. (laughs) Um, And I wasn't (laughs) on any drugs at the time either. So it was like untreated Um, and also didn't like have a therapist at the time. So yeah, it was all bad. And then, Um, the way that I powered through making this film was just like it was the thing keeping me going it was like well we have a shoot date this is what needs to get done like these are the people who are now involved and like depending on right. the job the and, you. and yeah exactly yeah and it, it really just like the amount of stress that it took to make it is kind of what helped me you know make it because I just didn't have time to, to really feel too sad or anything like that because things just had to get right. done um and then shortly after we wrapped I went on meds <laughs> ironically <laughs> yeah and I, I mean, had ironically go on yeah. sorry I just want to say I had ironically just finally right before I had met Georgia 
got on Lexapro and found a good therapist. So, um, oh, you wow. know, there's been a balance, I th- a balance, I think, between Georgia and I being um, very clear about how we work together with our communication of, you know, because I have a generalized anxiety disorder. Um, so, you know, like how, how we manage our work life and our personal lives and, you know, we're friends as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot to manage, but yeah, it got us going through and, you know, it's our baby. We've been working on it for two years. We've both moved in different areas of the country. Um, and yeah, I mean, just so lucky to meet all the people we have through this project. I mean, you really feel like the authenticity behind it and it's probably because, you know, you weren't on medication, so it was, like, very real for you, and you can kind of, like, put all of those real emotions into the project that you were already feeling outside on the other side of the camera, and then you were on medicine, so it was this other kind of perspective that you were able to contribute to, so you really feel that kind of both both sides of it in a way, which is really amazing well thank you thank you very sweet (laughs) so to get more personal just about your history with mental health and everything when did you each kind of like realize you suffered from these things um that's a great question as well um i think growing up with these things you don't really realize like what makes your brain different like i have always been you know like anxious and when you're a kid people just tell you oh you're just shy like you're you're just nervous like that's just who you are you grow out of it and it's like no like some of this is like crippling social anxiety that probably should have been treated much earlier. But yeah, people, I mean, even just when we were growing up, like mental health wasn't spoken about as much as it is, as it is now. Um, but I think it was when I, I was like in my 20s in New York um, doing comedy. And it I, I think there was just like a day that it hit me. I was like, oh, yeah, I've had like generalized anxiety my whole life. And I knew that on some level, but to get like a diagnosis and to hear those words and like everything just kind of clicked. Um, Right. So, yeah, I remember just like sitting in my living room in Williamsburg with my friend and we were writing a sketch show about um, anxiety called the discomfort zone. And I just started like crying because it just kind of all hit me. I was like, oh, wait, this is what I have felt bad my whole life. Oh my um, God. No. Yes. So, yeah, so I feel like there's a specific, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, mean, I think you uh, also suffered from, uh, sorry, um, you also mentioned you suffer from depression, which is, can be really difficult because anxiety can kind of like facilitate depression, but they're also very different in terms of the side effects and it's, one's like almost like a hyper feeling sometimes and the other is like just very low. So having like those both at the same time, people, I don't think realize like how much that can affect your day to day. Oh, it's exhausting. It's like a full-time job. Um, like that's why they say like the walk, the walk of worrying or whatever that phrase is. But, um, you know, sometimes they keep you going like the depression. It's like, I just want to stay in bed and do nothing. But the anxiety is like, if you do nothing, you'll get nothing done. So you kind of have to like <laughs> power through and find a balance. But, um, yeah, they're, they're so intertwined and I, I can't imagine having like just one by itself. Like they are so linked together. 
Exactly. Yeah, they're like the angel and the angel and the devil, but they're both sort of mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like they're like, yeah, I think similarly like to George's story, I was in my 20s living in New York and I had completely burned out at a job, uh, you know, working 68 hours a week as like a an executive assistant to a pretty um tough boss um on a like one of my biggest jobs. And I just burnt out and I had a lot of physical symptoms. So I developed stomach ulcers. Um, you know, I was throwing up a lot. Like I couldn't keep any food yeah. down. Um, so mine was, I actually waited until my body just physically couldn't go forward. And I remember actually, I don't even think I've ever told George this. I remember sitting, working at this job um, right outside the Gowanus Canal, which um, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's like a trash, it's like a trash water Um, and I remember sitting and dangling my legs over and just thinking, what if I jump, you know, what if, and I remember thinking, no, I don't, I don't want to, I I should do something about this. And I luckily had come from a home where there was quite a bit of addiction and mental health issues. So I wasn't unaware of how to get the help. You know, I think it's, it's a bunch of different things for people. I think I realized I've always been an anxious person and a people pleaser And so growing up, you know, my parents would be like, oh, you're the good kid. You know, you're the good kid because you follow directions and whatever. I'm like, yeah, I follow directions because I'm anxious as hell. (laughs) Like, when is the other shoe going to drop? And then I had started to see a therapist and got a general practitioner because also in your mid-20s, you're learning how to get your own doctors, figure out your health, your insurance, you know, shit that they don't teach you in school. And, um... So having to deal with the physical side of it led my general practitioner to say, hey, you really should go talk to someone. And I got a therapist and, you know, my general doctor put me on Lexapro, but then it caused panic attacks. So I was like, I need to see a psychotherapist. And I mean, luckily I had insurance at the time because um, that's usually a big, a big part of treating that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just New York City happen to you anywhere, of course. But um, when your right. trauma becomes too much that you haven't taken care of it, your body's going to let you know as a protective method. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, that's, that's so, um, sorry, that, like just that's so important to mention because I think for most people, they don't deal with their mental health until it becomes something that they just absolutely have mm-hmm. to because it's such an yeah, intangible thing sometimes. Exactly. Like, yeah, everyone's like, yeah, my mental health should be better, but like, it's very rare that people can, I think, just do that preemptively and take excellent care of every part of their lives and their bodies. Um, right. So I think a lot of the time people do push themselves to that extreme where they're like, they get to that wall and they're like, oh, I really have to like see someone or like do something about this, which is, which sucks. Like it's so upsetting that that's what it takes. But I think that's so relatable, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And if those feelings, sometimes you, people don't recognize, like if they could be fleeting, but if they continue to return, then there's, that's a clear sign something's up. And, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned you went on Lexapro and you got um, panic attacks and everything because I personally had been on Lexapro before too, and it, and it worked great at first. And then I had gone off of it right. and then it went back on, and then it just didn't work the same. So it's funny how right. it's like, the chemicals in your brain are like ever changing and not all these medicines will continue to work for you. Like it really is like a plan that you have. It's a process and you really have to. And I think, 
even even like you know like I had the first time I had been prescribed it it was five milligrams of Lexapro from my general practitioner and she also tried to give me Xanax and I said listen I come from you know I have a lot of addiction in my familial blood I would really like to avoid that and I think I had to advocate and say that probably six times you know like a few times before she stopped trying to offer it and I realized I shouldn't right. be getting my meds from my general practitioner I'd like to go see a psychiatrist so I had called um there is a uh, you know there's all kinds of like groups of like therapists and stuff in New York City so I like you know I got a number from her and I was like please give me someone like that's got a lot of experience and you know I would prefer to have psychotherapy for 45 minutes each week but I also want her to be in charge of my medication and this was after I had had the panic attacks from the five milligrams and she's like, well, you know, after five milligrams, they're supposed to up you to 10 milligrams. And, you know, that's why it was happening. Um, and she upped my dose to, you know, 10 milligrams. And um, it started working really great. But, of course, the election happened. So now, now I'm on 20 and it is even a better dose. Um, right. So, yeah, it, it's really also just about advocating the hell out of your, your, your health for yourself. You know, I mean, totally. taking care of yourself is all you got. And, um, so I think it's important too, to have friends like, you know, George and I will advocate for each other's mental health, you know, because sometimes you're just too much in your head to be able to go to the doctors, but you know, sometimes the doctors need to hear from you what you need. Right. And you can't always see it. And sometimes your life gets so busy that you're like, okay, that I'll deal with that later. Or I can't, I don't have time mm-hmm. to deal with that now because I can't take this time off or I can't, you know, put this off any longer kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's interesting to me, you mentioned kind of like you had like a moment of thinking about suicide in a way. And mm-hmm. I think this is something that everyone kind of thinks about and struggles with, even if they're not necessarily suicidal, quote unquote, but right. I think this is something that is is very stigmatized, but also it's it's way more common to think about these actions, but not tied to actually wanting to follow through with them. Like I've right. had moments no, in my life tired. where I'm like, <laughs> right, exactly. You're you've had moments where you're, I mean, uh, me personally, just where you almost you feel like you want to die, but you don't want to actually do it kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's, it's a very weird. Yeah, it gives me way too like, much anxiety. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I can never do that. And I don't actually want to not be here, but you also just want to be like asleep for until you feel better. <laughs> yeah. Um, you want to just like take a break from being you for a second and just not exist exactly. for, yeah, a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I even talked to my therapist about that today. It's just turned into a a, a total new avoidance technique. So, you know, you can, yeah. it, it just, it changes too, you know, as you learn new tools to take care of these thoughts and processes, um, you know, new ideas pop in your head. Like your brain doesn't stop, you know, especially exactly. if you have, you know, high functioning anxiety. Um, your brain is 10 steps before a person even speaks, but you know, you got to be careful about assumptions. And I mean, it just goes on and on and on. The brain is so complex. Absolutely. If you suffer from like ADHD or those kinds of things too, that can really add to it. Mm-hmm. And often mm-hmm. ADHD is presented within anxiety. It's something I learned. So I thought I might yeah. have developed it, you know, or might have it or something, but my therapist was like, you know, you have to be careful thinking that because a lot of times the problem is, is that 
these disorders are treated, um, you know, too quickly. Like they just want the person to feel better. So they'll give them, you know, they'll get a misdiagnosis of ADHD. But really, if you have an anxiety disorder, you don't need that at all, you know? Right. Um, And same thing goes for, you know, diagnosing people with like bipolar disorder. You know, these don't have clear cut lines in in the psychological community from what I've seen. Yeah, the diagnosis itself can be something that, you know, can literally make everything better for you and kind of make you feel more collected and grounded. But then it also can be like your demise in a way, too. So it is interesting. And that's why I think taking time and being very careful with your choices and, and, you know, getting Mm -hmm. second opinions if you need to is, is important. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So do you guys think that, no, go on. I was just going to say, it can just be daunting too. Once you get the, once you get the diagnosis, like, I mean, I recognize that I've, suffered from generalized anxiety disorder my whole life. And like Georgia said, it's kind of more about your decisions and your behaviors. And, but at the end of the day, it is a medical diagnosis. And I mean, sometimes I'm just so paralyzed by the thought of having to take care of it the rest of my life. But, you know, you have to rewire your brain about how you think about those sort of things. Right. It's like anything. It's like having to eat vegetables for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. kind of kind of like walking daily like doing physical activity is right. sort of it's a part of the deal mm-hmm. yeah so do you guys think that like I know you're both in comedy and you've both done stand-up and that kind of thing before um do you think that because you mentioned escaping yourself do you think that has been a really good outlet for you to feel kind of a sense of relief, like in, you know, performing and kind of detaching from yourself for those moments that you're on stage or you're writing or any of those kind of out of body experiences. Yeah. And I think like when you connect with people and and they feel seen and something you said or did, like it makes you feel so much less alone and they feel so much less alone. And sometimes, you know, um, like I make a lot of like TikToks about mental health and like anxiety and stuff. And sometimes I'll, um, I guess, find a way to show something or to say something. And the, the amount of people in the comments who are like, Oh my God, I thought I was the only one who had that thought. Right. And it's like the only one in the whole universe. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's so common. Um, it really, it helps to it helps in that way but um yeah also just having a creative outlet is amazing um and also comedy is just has been my coping mechanism i think forever yeah comedy right the best, yeah i think that's a, a, a shared sorry what are you gonna say <laughs> no go on oh i was just gonna say that's a shared thing i think for george and i um you know the comedy thing like i can remember being five years old and, you know, my mom letting me stay up late to watch Saturday Night Live and just thinking, this is brilliant. These people lead very happy lives. Look at how perfect they are with all their laughter and (laughs) comedy. I'm going to do that someday. And then I started doing it. I'm like, this is hell. Why would I subject myself to this? But, you know, it's it's a blessing and a curse when you're, you you know, it's, it's kind of been decided for me that this is my form of escapism. And even though I've developed new tools, I've just like, I'm able to escape in my producing and my writing. 
Um, but I think the other healthier thing I've learned is to find those creative outlets, like in my own personal life, like, you know, volunteering at like art centers I love to do, or, you know, just ways that you can, I think more for me, it's about sharing the community of creativity, right? Like what Georgia was saying about feeling like the only one, like no one wants to feel like they're the only one, like that's a very lonely feeling. Um, right. So I think that this like collective social consciousness of uh, us all, like of all of us comedians being like, you know, we're a little off, but that's okay. That's okay because you're human and this is how life works. Um, it's not fair. It's not easy, but you know, it's, it's really kind of wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And you're sharing a story that you know is going to impact people and make them feel less alone. So kind of it's helpful for everyone, including yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. anytime that you said it's important to think through decisions very carefully And I think when you're working on something that you're really passionate about that you want to do right um, and you want to do it right by people and you want to keep it genuine, um, you know, it comes from such a good place of creation that, you know, is it, it, you know, it fights the depression and anxiety off because we got to get this done. We got to do this movie because we have something to say and we could help a lot of people with this and we could start, you know, a larger conversation. And I mean, we were working, getting this film out in film festivals during you know, the beginning of COVID and it was a lot of Georgia just uh, like staring at like us staring at each other and FaceTime being like, well, what the fuck do we do now with this movie? Right. Um, How do we release it? Where are we going to release it? Um, But through that, I think her and I had found um, different ways that this has grown and evolved. Um, Not just the film, but us as creators. And honestly, I think it's even more relevant now than even before this pandemic. I mean, I think people who have never experienced mental illness or anything before COVID have more more or less likely had some sort of panic or (laughs) scare or anything because it was such an uncertain time. So I think it's more relatable. And especially with all those shutdowns, like you don't know how many people like couldn't get their medicines and actually had to go Mm -hmm. cold turkey without and not even on their choice but it's that's why I feel like this whole film is very relatable for it's like the perfect moment for it I think yeah I mean that was definitely not intended (laughs) yeah oh definitely not intended but yeah I mean that it's sad that it has become more relevant but I mean good for us I guess in the timing of it but there was a statistic I saw last week that was like um the number of people who have reported depression and anxiety disorders went from 11% in January 2019 to over 40% in 2021 um, in the U.S. And that's such a big jump. And that's only people who like, you know, have reported it. And so many other people are probably just sitting around by themselves feeling it. Um, So it's it's good that more more people like, yeah, it's good that more and more people are talking about it, but it sucks that more and more people feel this way, I guess. Right. And, and for the first time, like a, too, you know, yeah. like George and I are I'm grateful that I've felt this my whole life and I'm not just feeling it now when like right before 30, you know, like I know right. I know people who are in their 40s or 50s. And this is the first time they have felt like severe depression. And there's a lot of post covid symptoms that include depressive moods. And, you know, I'm sure there's like a ton more research going on about that. And we'll learn a lot yeah. more as like the years come by. But I mean, the dangerous thing is not giving these people information at all um 
And so, you know, hopefully, although, it, you know, it's sad that, you know, more people are being affected by this. And I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I think ultimately it's, it's for the greater good because we have to talk about it. Um, it's just been Absolutely. too quiet too long. Yeah, it sort of forces the conversation and kind of confronts that. I mean, if people can get through this, they can get through anything. And even acclimating back into like a normal feeling of society, just like going out without masks and socializing more, like that's another kind of obstacle people are going to have to face who maybe do have social anxiety and have, you know, thrived in a pandemic world because they like being alone or they like not leaving the house. So it's interesting, like how many different dynamics there are. And with them um, being like agoraphobic too, um, I've seen yeah. such a, an increase of people telling me, you know, through my like online communities that they have developed it over quarantine or that they kind of had it before, but they, you know, like they had work or school or like things that get like kept them having to leave the house and now um it's just gotten really bad so that's another one that uh, people should be talking about yeah absolutely yeah that's a very like a, a way lesser known issue i think people deal with and it's probably because people who are agoraphobic don't really want to talk about it as much because they do have this like social anxiety and and everything so that is one that very interesting, especially in this post-pandemic mm-hmm. world we are in. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird world out there. Seriously, <laughs> is. So, where can everyone, when this premieres, where can everyone go to, you know, watch and purchase tickets, and um, you know, give their support and and everything? I know you guys have an Instagram account. So if you want yeah, to shout that. Uh, sure. Um, so the premiere is on Tuesday, June 15th, um, 7 p.m. Eastern time, which is virtual. So hopefully accessible to people wherever they are. The tickets are all donation based and the proceeds are going to a mental health organization called Comedy Gives Back. So it's for a good cause. But the premiere is basically going to be like over Zoom and Vimeo. Um, people will watch the film and then they can come back to the Zoom for a post-screening panel that we're having with some amazing guests um, where we'll, we will be talking about how storytelling and comedy can make people feel less alone and sharing their stories. Um, and then, yeah, after that, it will just be out publicly on Vimeo. So um, anyone will be able to watch it. That's amazing. I'm going to attend myself. I'm very excited. Oh, yay, thank you. (laughs) It's really going to be really special. I think um, virtual is a great way to go. I think more people will have their eyes on it, and I'll be sure to link everything in the episode before it's released and um, promote you guys on Instagram and make sure that it gets as many eyes on it as possible. Thank Thank you you so much. So appreciated. And your podcast thank is you so great. For, like, you're oh, thank the you. Same, the same thing. And just like, yeah, getting people talking about it and being creative with it. So that's, yeah, keep doing that too, please. Oh, I will. <laughs> please. No plans on stopping anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I physically can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> physically cannot. Because that's how yeah. we feel. <laughs> yeah. 
this is our duty now, ladies. This is our duty. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's my calling. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for coming on. And come back anytime. Um, maybe one day we can all meet in person and have this in the studio. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, that would be yeah definitely. Yeah. Next time you're in New York, let well, me know. And we can figure yeah, something out. Yeah, return to the homeland. Totally. Where it all began. I know. I don't sure. even know what it looks like anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's actually feeling pretty normal these days. It's, it's oh, weird. Good. I mean, New York is, like, very sturdy. So, it's, I, knew, yeah. I know it took a really big hit, but it's, it's feeling pretty vibrant. I don't know if it's the weather or what, but it's right. yeah. pretty normal. You know, that yeah. city will teach you, will teach you resilience. <laughs> absolutely seriously all right well thank you so much and i hope you guys have the best premiere and so much luck to you <laughs> with um your festivals and i really hope this film you know is talked about and taught in school <laughs> frankly <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah, thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> You're welcome. Have a great day. You, you too. too. Bye. Bye. Bye.